Uh, we are in between series. We finished up our Who is Jesus series, uh, and we're going to be starting a series in February on the book of Galatians. But one of the things I like to do sort of in the in-between series time is uh, to take a look at a psalm or two. These are the, these are the prayers of God's people. Uh, and, you know, I think if we would use these more regularly, instead of thinking we've got to kind of uh, come up with our prayers on our own, that we would actually use these. They would help our prayer life and they would help our emotional life as well. Uh, because as you read through the Psalms, there's just a gamut of emotions. From, from the highest praise to the darkest night. They're not kind of these, oh, everything's wonderful uh, prayers. when They really do reflect human emotion. Anyway, uh, we're going to be looking today at Psalm 8, and that's printed in your bulletin. I'm going to be reading the entire psalm. This is God's Word. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the pass of the seas. O Lord... Our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Would you pray with me, please? Father in heaven, uh, this is your word, and so we're going to look to you now to open it to us. Uh, Father, that you would speak through me, but even over and above me and against me if necessary. But uh, Father, by your Holy Spirit, would you meet with us now and give us encouragement from your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. How many people here um, dream a lot? Anybody have a lot of dreams? Frequent dreamers? Okay, nobody wants to admit it. You're like, I do. Um, <laughs> you know, you're telling on each other now. Um, I have very weird dreams. All right, now, now some of you may have like scary dreams or depressing dreams, or you're you have these dreams. You're like, what does this this mean? Something? What am I supposed to do now? I just have dreams that make absolutely no sense. Uh, and, and this may be too much information, but that's okay. Um, for example, this week I had a dream that I rescued one of, well, uh, a niece who doesn't actually exist, uh, an infant child uh, who was falling off a balcony, and the way I rescued her was by grabbing her with my big toes. Um, and <clears throat> See, I told you they were strange. And, and, and here's the thing, I do have exceptionally long big toes. Um, and, and I would demonstrate that now, but it probably wouldn't be appropriate. Um, but in the dream, I was kind of like modeling them for everybody. See? See how wonderful? See what I can do, this trick? All right. I just, that has nothing to do with the sermon. I, I say that to say I have strange dreams. Now, here, now here's another one I had, which, which this does have something to do with the sermon. Uh, I had this dream one night that I was parked in some sort of bizarro parking garage, and my truck was in it, and I... I couldn't get back in. So there were like this line of people, me and all these other people were locked out of the parking garage, waiting to get in. Finally, somebody let us in the parking garage, and as I'm, you know, finding my way to my truck, these dogs start chasing me. Right? Something's always chasing you in a dream, right? 
So these dogs start chasing me, and I get distracted by the dogs, and I somehow wind up outside of the parking garage, and I'm walking down this dark, deserted road, and it suddenly hits me, wait, I've got to go get my truck, or they're going to lock the thing again, and I can't get back in. So I turn around and walk back to the parking garage, well, I'm walking back toward the parking garage, and it starts snowing, and it gets real foggy, and I, I wander off the path, and I can't figure out where I'm going, and I'm getting really frustrated, and I'm trying to, I'm taking my phone out to, to and I don't have a Siri on my phone where I can say, light my path. You know, I, I've, I've just got the glow of my old phone, and so I'm trying to, to find my way back to the path, and I'm just so frustrated that I just want to sit down wherever I am and start crying. Right, that's my dream. And what that means, no, uh, that, that, that's my dream. I, I couldn't figure out where I was going. I couldn't see where I was going. I was very frustrated. I was very confused. None of it made any sense to me. Now, does life ever feel like that to anybody? Life feels like that a lot of times. We're confused. We're frustrated. It doesn't make any sense to us. We, we know we're kind of be, supposed to be going over here somewhere, but we can't figure out quite how to get there. So it can be very discouraging to us. What's that have to do with Psalm 8? Psalm 8 uh, breaks through sort of our confused life and reorients us. It kind of tunes us back in. Because in the midst of all of our uh, confusion, uh, we forget where we're supposed to be headed, what we're supposed to be about, uh, often because we forget who God is and who we are and what he's really made us to be about. Um, and so we've got to be tuned back in. Those of you uh, with a satellite dish, you know, the dish has got to be pointed in a certain direction to get the signal. Or those of you who remember, and I'll date myself with this, but uh, my grandmother, when I was a child, they had a, any kids, do you know what an outside antenna looks like on a house? Uh, houses used to have these things on the rooftops. They're called antennas, and they're like this big. And it would help if you lived in a rural area for this thing to actually be pointed toward the, toward the big city. Uh, so you could get CBS or NBC or whatever it was. And my grandmother had this little thing on her television as a dial, and you turned, and it would cause that big antenna to rotate. The, the older people remember these. And the picture would gradually, it didn't pixelate then. It, got, it was snowy. Uh, and the snow would slowly fade away, and you could see, again, because you had it pointed toward Montgomery or wherever it was supposed to be pointed toward. Uh, Psalm 8 is designed to do that for us. That it's designed to, to clear away some of that fuzz, some of that snow, uh, to reorient us. Eugene Peterson says that this psalm is actually a way of praying our creation. Uh, we remember we're created beings. We remember who our creator is. So uh, those are, that's kind of the track we're going on. The first thing I want you to see then is that it orients us by reminding us of who God is. It orients us by reminding us of who God is. Now, you might say, well, okay, I know who God is. Uh, you know, I'm here, right? I know about God. But, but think about all of the different views of God that we're bombarded with every day, just in our everyday life. Uh, whether it's, you know, picking up the newspaper, seeing a commercial, watching a movie or a television show. We're being told things about God, about what he's like. And, and often these are very wrong things are being told. You guys know I like to watch 
uh, house, and one of, uh, and he's a doctor, and, and one of his frustrations is he's mad that God gets the credit when people get well, and he doesn't, and that God doesn't get any of the blame when people get sick. And so you kind of hear messages like that over and over. Uh, you know, you'll see kind of in our public sphere uh, how uh, it doesn't matter which God you worship, long as you worship someone, long as you have faith. And we shouldn't differentiate between these different faiths. They're, they're all leading to the same place anyway. Just having faith is what matters. Um, we're told that when someone dies, if anyone dies, they're always, where are they? They're always in a better place because God is a God of love. And, and that's where they've got to be, right? That's how this works. They must be in a better place. I'm surrounded by uh, behavior that implies that God doesn't care what we do. He's really not that interested. Just be true to yourself. Do your own thing. Or I'm encouraged to live as if I am God. Now, all of those messages, now you may, not be constant, you may not be looking for the, you know, the book of these messages, but all those messages are out there and you're, you're kind of being nicked away at by them. And they're coming at you every day. And they have a way of beginning to shape uh, who we are. They have a way of influencing our behavior, of affecting, whether we want them to or not, affecting our views of God. Uh, We start saying, well, I'm just going to live for today like everybody else. I'm going to store up treasures on earth like everybody else seems to. Um, You know, maybe God doesn't really care what I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. He's not really paying attention anyway. Uh, we, we get discouraged when we don't understand, well, if he's loving, why are these things happening in my life and the lives of people that I love? And so we're discouraged, we're depressed, we're confused, we're bombarded by all these views of God. And then we sit down, we take up the scriptures and say, I need to pray. And we turn to somewhere like Psalm 8. Uh, and, and this is what we read in Psalm 8. We read uh, of one whose name is Majestic. Uh, The one who has uh, set your glory above the heavens. And the idea is that God would actually robe himself uh, in the heavens. That's his glory. That's God's glory. That's what God's wearing today. All right? Uh, God is majestic. Uh, We read in verse 2, we come face to face with a God who's decided to use the praise of the weak to silence the strong. Now listen to to verse 2 because this is kind of a... Uh, interesting verse out of the mouth of babies and infants you have established strength because of your foes to steal the enemy and the avenger well what does that mean well listen to it in the niv from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe of the avenger all right now listen to it in the in the message by eugene peterson Nursing infants, and this is a paraphrase, nursing infants gurgle choruses about you. Toddlers shout the songs that drown out enemy talk and silence atheistic babble. And see what he's saying there is because of the God that these children are praising, because of the God who they are praising, the power of strong enemies is broken by the praise of weak children. Isn't that amazing imagery? The power of strong and mighty images is overcome. It's broken by the praise 
of toddlers and infants because of the one that they are praising. There's a very interesting uh, story in 2 Chronicles 20 where the, the people of God are being attacked by all of these different foes. And Jehoshaphat's the king, and they gather everybody together, and they're going to go out and do battle. And this is what he says. Hear me, Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be established. Believe his prophets, and you will succeed. All right, so he's giving them their, their, their all right, we're going to go fight speech. And then, then we read this next. Trust in God, let's go. Uh, verse 21. And when he had taken counsel with the people, he appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in holy attire as they went before the army and say, Give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. All right, so they're getting ready to go fight all these armies, and they say, Hey, praise team, we want you guys to go first. Keith, go play the guitar. And, and we're behind you, we're behind you with the guns, but, but you guys go first and just sing a little bit. Okay, Uh, and this is what happens. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set an ambush against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah so that they were routed. Uh, And then the rest of them wind up turning on each other, and they they wipe each other out. And and who was leading the battle? Well, it was the choir. And they were simply singing the praises of God. The weak were singing the praises of God, and the strong were routed. Uh, Doug Kelly said this, he said, When God's people praise Him, there is a sense in which a special presence falls from heaven with power to expel evil. Isn't that kind of cool? God uses the praises of weak children to silence the enemy, the strong enemy. Now, uh, you may be facing enemies. Depression, confusion, your own battle with sin. Uh, maybe one of the best ways to do battle with those enemies is simply to praise God. To take your eyes uh, off of yourself and your own resources and how am I going to fix this and how am I going to make this better and simply use a psalm like Psalm 8 and turn instead to the praise of God. Well, let's keep going through it. Uh, Verse 3 reminds us, Uh, that this very universe that we are in is the work of God's fingers, that he set the moon and stars in their places. Uh, Verse 4 and 5 remind us, unbelievably, that not only does God care for us, that he's given us a position of glory and honor in the universe. And we'll come back to this again. But most of all in all this, you see that the psalm is bracketed uh, by the same uh, shout of praise. O Lord... Our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. That's how it starts, and that's how it ends. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. See, that that gets your eyes off of yourself. That gets your eyes out of the fog. The snow begins to clear up. We're we're reoriented. We have new hope. Um, we, We have confidence again that I don't have to fix all of this because there's a good God, a powerful God, who is in control, and I need to look to him. I need to remember who, who, it, who he is and praise him. So it reorients us toward who God is. It gets us thinking right thoughts about God again. This psalm also, though, reorients us towards ourselves, you know, if, 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 toward who we are. If we're bombarded with 
wrong thoughts about who God is, we're also bombarded with all these confusing messages about who we are. Right, right? We have a hard time figuring out who we are as opposed to what we're supposed to be about, uh, how we're supposed to treat people. You know, we, we worship uh, celebrities and athletes. We laugh at the poor people, bless their hearts, uh, who, who are going to be on American Idol in a couple of weeks in the first few rounds, which is the only reason some of us watch it. Uh, is, is we look at these people like, oh my goodness, I'm glad I'm not that person, embarrassing myself in that way. We look down on the intelligence of the person being interviewed uh, on the 5 o'clock news, and, we're, and at least we used to do this in Alabama, they're like, why did they pick that guy to, to interview uh, to represent the whole state? Um, we're, we're not like that, really, we're not like that. Um, you know, we, we, we voice our frustration with whatever bad service we've received this week on our Facebook post. I can't remember, the, I can't, I can't believe that person at Walmart did such and such and such and such. And so we're kind of always vacillating between worshiping celebrities, worshiping our athletes, and then looking down on all those, like, oh, can't, those people are so whatever. We can't figure out who people are. Uh, we're told that in the middle of all this, the best we can probably do is to eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we're going to die. So let's just have as much fun as we can today. We're told that we're products of a uh, meaningless uh, evolutionary process. Life has no meaning, um, no purpose. Uh, Pornography is the wallpaper of our world. Affairs are common. Babies are just fetuses that we can do away with if they inconvenience us. We toss them out. People look in the mirror, they can't stand what they see, and so they medicate themselves into oblivion. Or we can't stand the insanity of it anymore, uh, and we commit suicide. It, it just gets crazy. Who are we? What are we supposed to be doing? What are we supposed to be about? How should I look at myself? How should I look at other people? We're confused. One day we want to jump off the bridge, the next day we think we're the king of the universe. And then we sit down with Psalm 8. And what does Psalm 8 tell us? Uh, Psalm 8 tells us who we are. It tells us we've been given a glorious position in God's creation. Uh, Verse 5, that that we're made a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned with glory and honor. Verse 8, that we're actually given dominion over the works of God's hands. That all things are placed under our feet. And see, what this psalm is doing is it's actually, it's actually echoing the early chapters of Genesis. Uh, that mankind is actually made in the very image and likeness of God. Uh, that while uh, we're not God, unlike anything else in the creation, we're actually made in God's image. Uh, mosquitoes are not in God's image. Your dog is not in God's image. Uh, whatever endangered species is not in God's image. But you and I are actually made in the very image and likeness of God. That's a glorious thing. We can reason. uh, We can think. We're moral beings. Uh, In the ancient Near East, this idea of image had the idea of a statue. It often referred to a statue, like a statue of George Washington. And so it's like we're little images, we're little statues of God, meant to represent Him, meant to rule His creation, rule the earth He's created. Now think about that for a minute. 
Doesn't that change things a little bit when you're questioning your worth, when you're questioning your value? Doesn't that change how you think about yourself? And doesn't that change how you think about other people? Life does matter. People do matter. Fetuses aren't just blobs of tissue. The way I conduct myself matters. That weird guy down the street matters. The person that annoyed me so much this morning at McDonald's, they matter. They're created in God's image, in God's likeness. They matter. I watched the story a while back, the story of Robert Hansen. Uh, Robert Hansen is a man who was convicted, I think he was in the CIA, but he was convicted because he had been spying for the Soviet Union for many years, uh, undercover, working for the CIA. And they were beginning to figure this out, and they've assigned another spy to chase Robert Hansen around and see if they can catch him spying for the Soviet Union. And he's getting suspicious that he's being spied on. Uh, and the guy who's spying on him is trying to persuade him, no, 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 we're not, we're not after you. And he says this, you don't matter that much. Why would anybody be worried about you? You don't matter that much. Why would we be spying on you? And Robert Hansen says to him, I do matter. He shakes his fist. I do matter. I do matter. Which gives you a little bit of insight maybe into why he was spying in the first place and the psalm says you know what that's right you do matter you do have worth you're made in the very image of God you matter not because of how you look not because of the work you do uh, not because of your uh, successes in life but you matter because you're made in the very image and likeness of God you're valued by him And so you have an exalted uh, place in creation. But at the same time, the psalm is reminding you, but you're not him. But you're not God. You're a little lower than the heavenly beings. You're not God. The psalm isn't bracketed by, look how majestic man is. It's, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And that has a way of clearing the clutter. Okay, my life does matter, but I'm not God. And I've, put, I've been put here for his purposes to serve him. And the confusion clears. Now, and that gets us to our last thing. Well, then, what are we supposed to be about? All right, I'm confused. I'm tired. Uh, I'm tired of changing diapers. I'm tired of not getting enough sleep. I'm tired of looking for a job. I'm tired of of crazy kids. I'm tired of taking care of parents. I'm tired of that annoying guy in the office. It's all just making me very tired. It all seems so pointless. And every time I do something, somebody comes along and undoes everything that I've been trying to do. What's the point of it all? Well, verse 6 says, You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. And we remember why we do all these things. Why we labor. Why we serve in the church. Why we serve at work. Why we serve our families. See, the fact is is that God has given each one of us a post. 
I could put it that way. He's assigned each one of us a post. It may be a very great post. It may be not so great. It may be not so noticeable. But he's given each one of us a place to serve and to exercise dominion over the earth for him as those made in his images. And so we get up every day and we serve him, whether it's by going to work, doing the dishes, taking care of our kids, feeding the dog, dog, raking the yard, talking to our neighbors across the street. Uh, We do the things in our sphere of influence that God has given us to do, and that matters, and we have purpose, because God is the one who's assigned us to the post where we are. He's the one who's assigned you to the post where you are now, even though you may not get it and you may not like it, it may be discouraging, he's put you there for his reasons to serve him and to glorify him, no matter what that is. Uh, All of this uh, is the calling of the king. You know, it's not like that, that I called you and said, hey, I think you need to go take care of that. But King Jesus himself has called you to go and to serve in the post where he's placed you. And so Psalm 8 then reorients us. Who's God? And who am I? And, and here's what he's assigned me to do. And that's good that he's done this. But there's one last thing in this. We don't perfectly fit this bill, do we? Uh, of, of these, it's like, this is a great description of what it means to be a person, but I don't know that I'm doing that good a job at this. Uh, we've been given this amazing position in God's creation, this amazing role to play, assign these posts as God's images. And yet, and yet, we kind of say, if only, right? If only I was actually doing a good job at this. Because we're messed up, we mess up, we fail uh, daily, uh, we think too much of ourselves, we think too little of ourselves, we start serving the creation instead of the creator. The creation really isn't in subjection to us, it just seems like it's kind of out of control. I mean, we haven't like harnessed earthquakes or disasters or disease, we're still subject to all these things and subject to death itself and so we pray psalm 8 and we're like well this is kind of cool but then we forget psalm 8 and we say to ourselves well if if only there was someone who really fit the bill here who really fit this description who really was this exalted glorious man who loved god like he was supposed to and and did what he was supposed to do every day and carried out the role he was supposed to carry out Maybe there is. Uh, Hebrews chapter 2 says this about Jesus and quotes from Psalm 8. It has been testified somewhere, What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him, who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone." 
For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. Jesus is made a little lower than the angels. Jesus is crowned with glory and honor. All things are placed under the feet of Jesus. Uh, Jesus does all of these things well. He is the, the perfect man, and yet Jesus then suffers and tastes death for us so that we might be delivered from death. Look in verse 14 of Hebrews 2 if you've got your Bible open. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. See, we're, we're no longer the people that Psalm 8 calls us to be. And try as hard as we might, we're never going to perfectly be those people. But Jesus comes in our place in our shoes, as one of us, to suffer death for us, uh, to free us from slavery to sin, to deliver us from death, to deliver us from our fear of death. Uh, Jesus comes and rules over all things well and works all things for good for those who know him and love him. And so you see, at the end of the day, Psalm 8 is not just this call to suck it up and do the right thing in the midst of all your confusion but it's also a reminder it's this reminder that jesus has done what we couldn't do that jesus has done what we failed to do so that now in him and through him we can become the people that we were supposed to be he became weak in order to silence your enemies Jesus became weak in order to silence your enemies. Will you become weak and lay aside your pride and rest in him in order to become who you were actually created to be? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, the Psalms. We thank you for these prayers of your people. Uh, we do ask that we would remember as we pray this psalm who you are and who we are and what you've called us to be and that we would find encouragement from that. But Father, thank you that in the midst of that, this psalm ultimately points us to Jesus, who is uh, the majestic one, who is the one at whom his name every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that Jesus is the one who became weak in order to silence his and our enemies. Uh, Father, that uh, Jesus is the one who is made in your image, or not made, but who is in your image and in your likeness, and yet serves you, doesn't rebel against you, but loves you, and does all things well in our place for us. God, would you cause that good news uh, to take root in our hearts and to help us to rejoice uh, and to be glad. Would you help us in the midst of our confusion and our pain and our frustration to look away from these things 
and look to Jesus who has come to rescue us. We pray it in his name. Amen.